Alrighty, good morning, Ridge Point Church. How are you doing this morning? Good. We're glad you're here this morning. In fact, turn to the person next to you, give them a fist bump, and say, we're glad to see you this morning. Man, we're excited. Today is a, a huge, a huge week for us here at Ridge Point Church. A uh, little sidebar of something that's happening today, but actually, Rick LaMondry back in the back is, uh, he and his wife have kind of started getting connected at Rich Point Church, and there's been a new beginning for them. They've been married for 10 years, so today after the second service, they said, we want to mark kind of, we're re- restarting our lives, and so they're renewing their vows right after the second service. We're excited about that. That's a really cool thing. Um, and, and this, this afternoon, we have child dedication this weekend. Michael's going to talk about this in a little bit a little bit later, but the Bloodhound Barbecue is coming up this Friday. Just a lot of life uh, that's happening. And today, I get a chance to wrap up this series we've called Making Change, which you kind of said it's a financial series, but it's more a freedom series where we talk about finances. Uh, I believe that Jesus wants us to be free, and I believe most of us want to be free in fact, I asked you to do this the first week of this year, so I've asked you to do this as we wrap it up. If you want to be free, just yell out, I want to be free. That's pretty good. That's pretty good for 9 o'clock on a, on a Sunday morning. But most of us want to experience freedom when it comes to our relationships. Most of us want to experience freedom when it comes to our health. We want to experience freedom in all of these different areas of our life. The challenge to all of that is that we have a tendency to be impatient. I know this about myself. I'm going to freely admit this up on stage this morning that I have a tendency to be impatient. I know this because if I'm watching a video on YouTube and the little clock starts spinning because the video is buffering, I will either move on to another video or I'll check the internet connection to find out why is this taking so long. Has anybody else done that or is it just me? Look, okay, some people being honest. Uh, we have Netflix right now because We are so impatient, we don't want to watch through commercials and have to wait through the commercials. Or better yet, if there's a cliffhanger, I don't want to have to wait all the way till next week to see how this whole situation resolves itself. It's why some of you find yourself doing this. You'll watch a show and you're like, all right, I have to go to bed after this show. This is the last one. And then something happens at the end of the show and you say, all right, I can watch one more. And we stay up way too late because we're impatient. We want to know what comes next. Or even when it comes to our shopping, thank God for Amazon Prime. Because some of you know you scroll through Amazon, you're trying to shop for something. And if that Amazon Prime logo doesn't show up, you think, how barbaric. I have to wait three days for something to get to my house. Like, can't a drone drop this thing off tomorrow? We live in this world of instant grits and minute rice. We want everything right away because it's not just me. We are so impatient, which is especially dangerous when it comes to our finances. You see, when it comes to our finances, this whole series has been predicated upon this idea that we want to experience financial freedom but for many of us, in fact, by, by, by calculations tell us, by as many as three-quarters of us, we have spent the last decade or 15 years getting ourselves into this financial bind. And we, sh- we say, we shout out, I want to be free. And yet we continue to put us back in decisions that lead us towards even slavery when it comes to our finances. And we're not experiencing the financial freedom that I believe is even as we approach Scripture, because I believe this is a topic that Jesus talked about on many occasions because he wanted us to understand what it meant to truly be free. 
And we look at our lives 2,000 years later, and still the number one cause of stress in most people's lives is finances. The number two cause of marital discord is finances. And so even in our country where we have been blessed with so much, this is something we keep coming back to and we continue to have stress because we made bad decisions 15 years ago that have led us to where we're at today. And we think if I can just come in and listen to a four-week series at church, I'm going to leave those four weeks being financially free. It doesn't work that way. But it does work that I can begin making appropriate decisions right now. When it comes to the, the way that I'm a steward of not just, not just my finances, because that's an important part of that, and it's kind of what the series is, is all about, but I just want to make appropriate decisions when it comes to my life. What do I spend my finances on, but also what do I spend my time on? I want to make sure that I get these things down because we have a tendency to be impatient, and we want to experience financial freedom, but for many of us, that freedom is still years away. But in order to discover freedom in the future, it requires making change today, right now. And so he said, five years from now, 10 years from now, we're not going to remember this particular series. But if we can remember four things throughout this whole series, if we said, if we can get these four things down, and if we just remember those four things, and each of the week we talked about one of those things, if we could remember these four things, that if those, th- those principles could guide us into our decisions now and our future, that that can start to bring about a freedom when it comes to our finances. So one more time, everyone with me together, less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, tomorrow matters. Now say it like you're going to remember it five years from now. Ready? Less is more, stress is bad, giving is good, and tomorrow matters. It began with week one. We said less is more. We've bought into this lie the American culture has given us that we need to have more, and we became consumers rather than contributors. We want more, 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 and we think if I just get more stuff, whatever it is that comes next, if I just get that, I'm going to find satisfaction in those things, and we never find satisfaction. And the verse that we used that first week was this verse that, that talks about the idea that better is a handful, one handful of quietness than two hands full of toil and chasing after the wind. A lot of these verses that we've looked at are from one of two books of the Bible, either the book of Proverbs or, ironically, the next, ver- the next book in the Bible, Ecclesiastes, both written by the same human author, Solomon, who's considered to be the wise, outside of Jesus, the wisest person who ever lived. And a lot of the advice that he gives, he gives as a father to his children, saying, God has blessed me with wisdom, and because of that, I've been successful. And as a good parent would want to do to their children, they said, I want to pass on some of the life lessons that I've learned. And so one of the things that Solomon says as he hits on this idea of less is more is that it's better to have one hand full of quietness than two hands full of toil and this futile idea that I can chase after the wind. And yet we continue to make some of those choices. So week one was less is more. Week two, stress is bad. Chris Neff did a great job of talking about this in the midst of the series and saying that we want to create margin in, in, our, in our budget. We want to create margin in our life. And the greater the margin we have, the less stress that's there. If I go into a week and know that I have margin when it comes to my budget, it gives me freedom. I feel good. That's why we said when you reach in your pocket, after getting them out of the dryer and you pull out a crisp $20 bill, it makes you feel good because it's margin you didn't expect to have. The greater the margin, the less the stress. 
the less the margin, the greater we start to feel that stress. And the reality is it doesn't matter how much money we make. If there's not margin, we could, we, our, our, our paycheck could be really, really large if our debt is just as large. We find ourselves with even more stress because the numbers are just bigger numbers. Less is more. Stress is bad. Last week we said giving is good. I come from this idea, this crazy idea that most of us want to be generous. We want to be irrational in our giving. It just is we've never come up with a system. We've never come up with a plan. And this whole series has been about planning. I want to come up with a plan to be generous. In the Old Testament, we said there was this strict law that was given that said, here's the expectation. The expectation is that you tithe, that you give 10% of whatever has come in. And then Jesus comes in the New Testament. He says, listen, it's not that we're discounting that entirely. There's some great principles there. But he said it's much more important not what you give, but how you give. He said, God wants you to give with a cheerful heart. God wants you to give with, literally the word there, hilarion, means to give with hilariousness. Now, I just talked on this topic. I was a little bit discouraged this morning. We passed the buckets. Not one person laughed. Like, I was kind of discouraged by that. But, but, but the idea is that once, once Jesus really gets hold of our life, Man, I want to be a part of contributing to something that's bigger than myself. And there was this transition between the Old and New Testament and the Old, old, new, old and New Covenants. And, and sometimes that's a little bit confusing. But I want us to see, I didn't get a chance to cover one final verse last week. Before we move on to tomorrow matters, I want to talk about one more verse. In Matthew 23, 23, Jesus is speaking uh, to a group of peoples that, 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 are, that are kind of fighting against him. He had many people, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the, the religious leaders of his day. And the groups, the scribes and the Pharisees are there. And he says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites. For you tithe, you give 10% of what you've received in mint and dill and cumin. And you've neglected the weightier matters of the law justice and mercy and faithfulness. He says, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. See, the Pharisees had figured out how to give exactly to the letter of the law. And they said, we want to make sure we get this right. And so they gave to the letter of the law. They said, we want to make sure that in the eyes of the people that are watching us, that, that we look really, really spiritual. And so we're going to make sure that we give, and, and we're going to give a, a, a lot compared to some of the other people that are here, because by us giving, people are going to pay attention to us. And Jesus came and said, actually, the way that you're giving is hypocritical. Sure, you're following the letter of the law, but what about these, these weightier things? What about these things that, that really, really matter? Things like justice and mercy and faithfulness. Those things you should have focused on while not neglecting the others, you should have been able to focus on those things. And today we transition moving from uh, the topics we've talked about up until this point, giving is good being the final one, to this week we talk about tomorrow matters. See, I believe that, that Jesus wants us to experience freedom so that we can live freely and so we can give irrationally. But part of the live freely is, is I want to make sure that I'm a good steward of what God's given me. Like I want to make sure that, that, that when I'm looking at my future and maybe even my children's future, that I'm at least considering how do I live freely into my future. Now, I'll be the first to say this. I am by no means an expert. Later on, 
I recommend uh, just some, some practical things that you could do to get some expert advice. But one of the things I've seen that, that in my role as both as, as a son, also as a pastor, as I've kind of dealt with some different people at different stations of life, that, that I've seen and I've experienced a lot. I've been able to, to step in and, and to say, hey, here's where you need to get advice, and here's some things you just kind of do. And so some of today is going to be insanely practical. And I know as soon as we start to think about and talk about this topic, it can seem a little bit weird to talk about this in church. Really just to talk about finances at all in church kind of sometimes can be tricky and dicey and, and, and all of that. And yet Jesus spent a lot of time talking about it. And not just Jesus. There are a lot of leaders throughout Scripture, including Solomon, who say, let's, let's focus on these things because these things are really important. And we live in a world today where some people in different parts of even of our, of our city, of our county, are struggling to figure out where their next meal is coming from. They're struggling. We go to, we go to foreign countries. We'll be in Honduras next month. And, and the people there aren't living paycheck to paycheck. They're living day to day trying to figure out where's, where's breakfast coming from tomorrow. I got to recycle enough stuff on the dump to be able to get food for my kids tomorrow morning. And so it seems like almost inappropriate to talk about when so many people are desperate that we're talking about things like investing and, and finances. And yet Jesus says, I want you to live freely and I want you to give irrationally. And in order for you to do that, there are some practical steps that you can take just to be a good steward of what you've been given. In fact, in Luke chapter 12, it says this, Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they have trusted much, they will demand the more. You're right. The rest of the world often struggles to live day to day, let alone paycheck to paycheck. But here's the thing, as we talked about last week. When scripture says you've been entrusted with much to be able to give much, God has blessed us in a profound way. When we compare ourselves to really the economy of the rest of the world, most of us are living like kings in comparison to the rest of the world. And yet even though we say we want to be free, the number is 76% of us live paycheck to paycheck. 76% of us, if tomorrow the paycheck stopped coming, we'd struggle to make our mortgage next month. And so it's hard for us to live freely. It's hard for us to plan for the future when that's the case. And so today we're going to talk about this, and it can be a dicey topic, but I want to begin with Scripture and say, here's why this is a big deal. If you have your Bibles, open up the Proverbs. We'll turn to the Proverbs a couple of times before we get into our main text this morning. But in Proverbs 21, verse 20, it says this. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. It says the wise have wealth and luxury. The wise have been careful with the way that they've organized and planned their money. The wise have been careful about even about their investments. Meanwhile, the fools literally are living paycheck to paycheck. The fools spend whatever they get. They come in, and I know people, here's how they develop their budget. They put up their, their Excel spreadsheet, and they figure it out, and, and they say, hey, I paid all the bills this week. And I still have $400 left over, so I can do whatever I want with the $400, not realizing that next week there's a whole lot more bills coming and not as much income that's going to be there, and there's no plan. And so it says the wise have built up wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Our budget plan, when we got our first job in high school, I talked about this a couple of times already, but when you get the first job in high school, you don't have a lot of responsibility and all of a sudden, you have $150 in your pocket. That $150 makes you feel like, I can go and spend this on whatever I want because I don't have responsibility. 
we grow up and realize responsibilities become much, much more impressive, and yet we continue to live with the same budgetary ideas, and we struggle. So Solomon writing says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Fools live paycheck to paycheck. Then back in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 8, it says this, go to the ant, you sluggard. That's a word we don't use very often anymore. Imagine going up to your teenage son and saying, hey, go get to work, you sluggard. We don't use that word anymore. But he says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. You know what the ant is saying? Tomorrow matters. I have to start to plan for tomorrow because tomorrow is of significance. For many of us, we live paycheck to paycheck, and so because of that, we can't begin to think about tomorrow. And also because for you and I, especially if you've grown up going to church at all, we've bought into some lies that that Scripture hasn't necessarily indicated or how we're supposed to live our life, but just because we've taken some very general principles, we've used these principles, these lies, uh, to, to justify some of our behaviors. Some of the lies I've seen believers use. Number one, God has promised to take care of me so I don't have to concern myself with money. I can go and do whatever I want. God's going to take care of me. Now, how many of y'all know that God's going to take care of you? That's a good thing. God is going to take care of you. But the thing is, right now, God could be taking care of you right now in anticipation of what's coming in your life. And he gives you, he provides for you, and and you go and waste what God had provided, and then you wonder why 15 years from now, well, where was God in all of this? God says, I've been there all along. I had been providing, but you squandered that which I had provided. Number two, God's going to prosper me if I just work hard enough and have enough faith. Now, you go up on TV and you can see some TV preachers that are going to tell you, hey, God said this and God did this, and the Bible doesn't actually say that. And I believe God's going to take care of us, that there are certain principles we should instill. But sometimes I think that, that we as Christians can, can think that budgets just work like magic, like we're just going to kind of do our thing, and magically at the end of the week or the end of the month, it's all going to work out. When a budget isn't, magic, but it's, it's math. It's, it's dollars and cents. It's figuring out a system to make sure that I'm taking advantage of what God has given me and not squandering it. Number three, God's more concerned with my heart than what I do with my money. There's a faith works element to this discussion about finances. Is God primarily concerned about your heart? Absolutely. But if our heart is right, if a heart is pursuing after Jesus and Jesus says, here's some practical principles that you can instill in your life to make sure that you get this right. If a heart's in tune with what he's doing, then he says, then start to develop a plan. And that's why each week of this series, we've tried to give just one practical takeaway. If you're going to develop a system in your life to, to, to discover financial freedom, it doesn't even begin with a budget. It begins, we said week one on the topic of less is more, it begins by figuring out in your life what's really important. In your life and your families in life, what are the core things that are important to us as a family? And let's budget for those things. Let's have a plan for those things to make sure I do those things right. Instead, most of us say we don't really have a plan. And then because a lot of us are kind of ADD about the way we do our finances, 
we say, we're, we're kind of, we didn't really work out a plan, we're kind of going through life, and, and then this pops up, and wow, that looks really good, and I can afford that, let's go, let's go do that. And then this pops up, and oh, let, let me go do this, that looks really good, and, and before we know it, we've, we've out-punted our coverage. And we find ourselves stressing because, man, I made all these commitments, and now I, I just can't, I can't live up to all of this, and we start to feel the pinch because there was never any plan when it came to our finances. God is concerned with your heart, but your heart, it's why Jesus talked about this so much, he knew that our heart was going to guide us towards making the right financial decisions, and there's a faith works element to that discussion. If you have your Bibles, I do want to spend some time in, in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to spend a lot of time here, but it's actually because a lot of what we read is, is, Jesus, or is Solomon talking about finances, but we also get to Matthew chapter 25, and Jesus telling a parable of the talents. Now, talents was a particular denomination of money, and, and actually what has happened is Jesus, said, uh, Jesus is telling this parable to his followers, and he says there's a certain a landowner that he, he owns a lot, and he comes up to his servants, and he says to his servants, he says, I'm about to take a trip. And I want you to take care of my business while I'm gone. And so he gives to each of the servants according to uh, the, the, the talent that that person had. He gives to one servant five talents, which is a denomination of money, and, and another two, and another one. And the first one that he gives to, it says that once, once he gave to the first one, he gave him five talents. It says in verse 16, it says it this way. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. He says he literally put his money to work. There's a couple of ways we make money. One is, is we work for our money, and sometimes our money works for us. And so this, this first one comes, and he says, I want to make sure that I, I get this right. And so he's given five talents or five bags of gold, and he puts that money to work. And because of that, the money makes money for his, his master. The second one does the same thing. But the third one comes, and he, he, only takes, he only has one talent. And he says, well, I want to make sure that I'm careful about this. So we pick up in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 25. He says this. He also who received the one talent came forward and saying to the master, each one had been reporting and saying, here's what I did and here's how much money I made you. The final one comes up in verse 24 and he says this, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. So instead of investing in the, the talent and doing something with it, he says, I went and hid it because I didn't want to lose it. And so I bring back the one talent. And here's the one talent that you gave me. This is yours. But his master answered and said, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. Jesus is, is teaching this, this simple principle about how, what we're supposed to do with our finances, what we're, how we're supposed to be good stewards. And he says, here's a person who had a lot of money, and they're allowing their money to work for them, and the one doesn't choose to be a good steward, and, and the master actually takes from that person and gives to the one who was a good steward. And in that, we can learn this idea of, of stewardship and investing and making sure that we do this right because we've been entrusted with money to live freely freely. 
and give irrationally. Now, how many of you, I want, I want to know this for a second. How many of you would love to be able to give away a million dollars? You know why we'd love to? Because it would mean we have a million dollars to give away. Like, that would be a great position to be in. Like, we'd love, and I'm not saying this, I'm never going to say that if you, if you do this, that God's going to bless you and all this stuff's going to happen, but the idea is that most of us want to live freely, and most of us want to be able to give irrationally. When we see a need, there's this, this, this desire inside of us, especially if at some point Jesus rescued us and redeemed us. We said, because of the rescuing that took place, I want to be a part of rescuing other people. I want to be part of that redemption process. I want to be part of this whole thing, and I want to be able to live freely. God's entrusted us with money to live freely and to give irrationally. So what are some practical steps that we can take? Uh, I'm not a financial consultant. I don't claim to be at all, but there's three things I'd advise you to do. Number one, take Financial Peace University. If you haven't already done it, I know we have a great class going on right now. I've heard great things, but take Financial Peace. Come up with a plan when it comes to your finances. We said throughout the series that we want you to have a, a plan that begins with figuring out what's most important. Then once, once you figure out what's important to you and your family, you budget towards that. And then once you budget towards that, part of that system is figuring out the giving side of it. I get a chance to sit down with couples as they're preparing for marriage, and, and I have this conversation. And, and one of our big statements here at Rich Point Church is you can't outgive God. And I talk about the value of early on learning how to give and making that a, a, a portion of what you're, as you're developing your budget. So take Financial Peace University. Number two, uh, when you can, enlist the help of a financial advisor, financial planner to help you out with that, to, to teach you the ins and outs. But number three, something you can start today is follow a couple of simple principles. Chris, when we start, first started to talk about this idea of financial peace and offering the class, Chris said there's something Dave Ramsey talks about all the time about how we're learning finances the way that Jesus and Grandma try to teach us. There's some really simple principles that we can learn that we can walk away from and say, if nothing else, there's some things that Grandma taught us when we were young that we could simply apply to our finances. So three things we'll, real quick, and we'll wrap this thing up. Number one is this. Don't invest in things that you don't understand. Don't invest in things you don't understand. In Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4, it says this. By wisdom a house is built... And through understanding, it is established. Through understanding, through me understanding the way that it works, it's established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. So many times we try to invest in things because someone comes, a friend comes, or a crazy uncle comes and says, hey, I have a scheme. I know you don't fully understand how it works, but I have this scheme, and I promise if you invest in this, it's going to make you a lot of money. And you ask the uncle, okay, how does this work? And they say, well... I don't really know, but I promise you this is going to work. In about the year 2010, I think it was, 2010, uh, I had a, a, a former student of mine. He was an entrepreneur-type student, and he came to me, and he says, JJ, there's this new technology that's out there, and I'm telling you this is going to take over the world. And he says, you should invest in this now. And I said, okay, explain this to me. And he's like, well, it's kind of hard to explain. And he sat down for about a half hour trying to explain to me this idea of digital currency. And he says, I promise this thing's going to take off, and, and you should do this. And, and he started explaining all of this. And the only thing I could get in my mind in 2010 was, like, it sounded like something on, like, you remember the, the Sims, the, the show, the, the, game, the game that everybody played? I thought it was, like, currency they used for, like, gaming or something. I'm like, dude, this stuff sounds really, really weird. And he's like, I'm telling you, Bitcoin right now 
is less than a penny per share. Buy some Bitcoin. Now, ironically, I wish I would have done that. Because between 2010, when it was less than a penny, to the end of 2017, Bitcoin was trading at that point at $17,000. So if I'd bought a dollar's worth of Bitcoin in 2010, at the end of 2017, I'd had $1.7 million. It seems like this works against what I'm teaching because I didn't understand it. But, but the point being that, that that rarely happens. But in 2017, as everyone gra- gra- gravitated towards it, like all of a sudden, in 2010, nobody knew what Bitcoin was. 2017, everyone still didn't understand Bitcoin, but they knew it made a bunch of people a lot of money. And so a bunch of people gravitated towards Bitcoin. It's making people money. money. I still don't understand it, but it's making people money. In seven days, Bitcoin lost a third of its value. If you'd invested in December 2017, if you invested in Bitcoin at that point, still not understanding it today, you'd be left with $33. It's about a third of what it was trading at before. Number one, invest in what you know, which leads into number two. Don't try to get rich quick. Proverbs 13.11 says this. Wealth gained hastily will dwindle. But whoever gathers little by little will increase it. I know there's some big Powerball or something going on right now. What's it up to right now? Billion. It's over a billion dollars. That sounds enticing, doesn't it? 1.6, not million. Like, I take 1.6 million. But 1.6 billion, and it sounds enticing. But Solomon writes that wealth gained hastily is going to dwindle. How many people do we see that win a lottery and, and they end up in more death than they've ever been before in their life and it's out of control? Wealth gained quickly will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Here's a principle I want us to get. Money plus consistency plus time equals wealth. Money plus consistency plus time equals wealth. Some of these things we wish we would have learned or even if we learned them, we wish we would have applied when we were much, much younger. Three case studies. One, if you could imagine for a second, if you had the financial wherewithal to be able to do this, you take a child when they're born, $1,000. Give them $1,000 when they're born and invest it properly. Contribute nothing else but that initial $1,000. By the time they retire, they're probably going to have in the up, in, in, above half a million dollars. Case study number two, if you were 20 years old, you started to figure out the value of investing at a young age, at 20 years old, and you can invest in just a little bit of money, 50 bucks a month that I'm going to invest. Most of us can say, I'm going to skip out on Starbucks, I'm going to start to invest. If at 20 years old, we, we realize the principle that money plus consistency plus time equals wealth, if, I did tw- if at 20 years old, I start to contribute $50 a month, by the time I retire, I'm at half a million dollars. If you wait till you're in your 40s and you start to invest at 45 years old, $500 a month, you're going to a whole lot more money that you're investing over a short amount of time. You're not going to get nearly the same money returned on that because you've not had enough time to see that wealth develop. Money plus consistency plus time equals, equals wealth. Talk to a financial planner. Come up with a plan for where you're at right now. I remember when I first started at Rich Point Church, I had a buddy of mine who was doing financial planning, and he came, and he said, listen, I, I know as a youth pastor, you're not making a, a whole lot of money, but start giving a little bit right now towards this. He talked about life insurance and financial planning and all this stuff, and I remember sitting there saying, but, but there's not a whole lot of money to go around right now. 
just starting when we're young and saying, I want to have a plan in place to make sure, and whether it's me or whether it's future generations, that there's a plan in place to make sure, not that we're trying to get rich, that's not the point. But we're trying to live freely so that we can give irrationally. Principle number three, grandma was great at this one. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Whether it came to friends or whether it came to our finances, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 2, again, another passage from Solomon. It says this, divide your investments among many places, for you do not know what, lo- what risks lie ahead. This whole series has been about living freely. It's about, been, it's, about, it's about me saying that if I can get the first two parts of this right, if I can make sure that I get the idea that less is more and that stress is bad, and, and that early on in this discussion I figure those two principles out and I block that out of my life, then I can start to focus on the last two, which is where freedom comes. Freedom comes in me being able to realize that, that giving is a good thing and that tomorrow matters. And that it's okay for us not just to talk about these topics in church, but actually to put them in play in our lives. See, one of the things that, that I love, I've, I've mentioned a couple times throughout this series, in, in that talking to couples as they're getting ready to get, get married, as they're going through the counseling process, the, the second week that we meet together, we talk about developing a budget, what that looks like, and Sometimes people are part of our church and they've come to us for counseling through the church and, and that's fine, that discussion is a little bit harder. But one of the things that I love is when they're not a part of the church and because of that we have no vested interest in this. And I can teach them freely, listen, I don't have anything to gain from this. But I'm telling you, if you learn to apply these principles into your life, principles of saving and giving, you know, probably the most simple principle, I think Dave Ramsey says this, but is to, when we start to develop our budget, that we give the first 10%, we save the second 10%, and we live off the rest. It's developing simple principles and having a plan, saying, I want to stick to this because I want to be able to make sure that in my life, not just today, but 15, 20, 40 years from now, that I'm living freely and I'm giving irrationally. Because I believe generally that's who Jesus calls us to be, that he wants us to, to be able to live freely so we're not dealing with the stress of, of this life that so easily consumes us, but also to give irrationally, to invest in people, to make a difference in their life. Because the verse we read earlier, he, he gets on this, the Pharisees about saying, you guys are tithing your, your dill and your mint, all that stuff that you're receiving, you're tithing. But what about these weightier topics of justice and mercy? What about being a part of the bigger picture? If we do our finances right, it gives us the freedom to live freely and to give irrationally. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, I thank you for this, this last week, the last few weeks. We've talked about some, uh, some pretty heavy topics, but in, in particular the last week as we talked about giving last week and, and about investing this week. And, and God, it can sometimes seem like a weird topic to talk about in church when, when there's so much need that's out there and we want to be part of, of, of the bigger plan of seeing your redemptive work take place. Uh, but God, that only happens as we're good stewards with what you've given us. And so God, I pray that as we've gathered together this morning, we've given some, some very simple surface level principles to begin a discussion of being better when it comes to our finances. Uh, God, I pray that something that is said throughout this series has, has sparked people to figure out the priorities and to have discussions about what really matters. 
to develop a budget that allows for that to take place, and then a plan to enact that budget. God, for people right now that are struggling with not experiencing freedom when it comes to their finances, I pray that again something is sparked in their life to say that attitude and behavior has to change for us to experience the freedom we desire to to experience. And God, I'd be remiss if we didn't say this as well. That though we're gathered to talk about finances and living freely when it comes to our finances, God, also give an invitation to someone who's never experienced the freedom that comes only in Jesus. God, I pray that if there's someone this morning who doesn't know Jesus, that today would be the day that they say, man, even because of the financial picture of what we're talking about, it's given me a greater illumination of what's really essential in my life, what's really important. And that's that Jesus died to give me freedom. God, our desire is to be free, and it's only through him that we discover freedom. It's in his name we pray. Amen.